Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Full, and thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for designer Rand Seagal. I don't do marketing. I just make friends. I get work because my friends send me work. I love eating lunch with friends. I go out to lunch a lot with a lot of people, and that's how we stay in contact. And then when they need something or they hear something, somebody who needs something, they say, oh, you know, you should check out, you should talk to Ryan or something like that. I make friends because I love making friends, not because I'm like, give me work. Now I do YouTube videos. I do this on a daily basis for over a year now, and I love the feeling of producing something at the end of the day. So, you know, not every day is a great freelance day. Sometimes, like today, my whole day is like meetings. So I don't really produce anything. It's feeling that, you know, at the end of the day, I did produce something, I did create something from scratch, is great. So there's Ran, an Israeli freelancer who we're chatting to this week. As you can tell, though, the sound quality isn't as great as I'd love it to be. I don't really know why, to be honest. It's a bit annoying. But I tell you what, you will get past it and love the conversation, I reckon, because it's a great story and some really good insights in there as well. So that's coming up. Don't forget, beingfreelance.com is where you can get involved with the podcast and also the vlog. You can check out what I'm up to on a weekly basis there. Sign up for the newsletter and share this. If you're off to a meetup or you're having lunch with a fellow freelancer, tell them about this podcast. That would be so cool uh, and help grow the audience that way. Right now, though, let's go to Freelance Design. Designer Rand Seagal, based in Israel. Well, whereabouts are you in Tel Aviv? Yes, I'm in Tel Aviv. Very right nice. The beach. Yeah. Oh, even better. Let's find out how you got started being freelance. Basically, how have you ended up doing what you do now? So basically, I got into design and graphics when I was as a hobby when I was in high school, just playing around with Photoshop and you know 3D software and stuff like that started doing stuff for fun for friends until eventually while still in high school somebody said uh, I need you to do something for me and I'm willing to pay for it so I guess you can call that my first freelance gig while still in high school obviously didn't know how to price it obviously made any mistake possible (laughs) Um, and then during my, I did a lot of things. I went to school. I also served in the in the military in Israel and and worked in several in advertising, worked in branding. But while no matter what I did, I always did kind of freelance on the side when interest when interesting projects came and when I needed the money because some of the jobs needed uh, supplements, you can call it. And um, until like maybe three years ago when I uh, actually left my my last full-time job in order to kind of pursue my own project, which I'm doing, kind of dividing my time part-time working on self-initiated projects and part-time freelancing. So now I'm actually full-time on my own. I mean, you mentioned there to concentrate on different projects. So what have you got going on? So basically, I started a, a business with, with two partners, which we called the New School, which was basically designed to give designers, we started with designers, but, but afterwards we kind of uh, made it broader to every freelancer to, give, to help them the tools with, with kind of the business tools of how to run their freelance business, actually. So that's, we, we kind of set out to start this 
online education platform. That was three years ago. Um, we did that for two years doing workshops, doing online video classes, that sort of stuff. And recently, in the last year, we kind of um, moved into more into the realm of developing software for freelancers. So right now we're working on a project that's called Prospero, which is kind of a, a tool to create proposals for freelancers. So part of my time I'm developing tools for freelancer, and part of my time I'm doing freelance work myself. So I'm really engaged in that in that space. So how did that come about? Was it while while you were in that other job you were like just sitting around in a bar one night saying, "Oh, I have this issue. I have this problem." Like we should form a company or did they come to you and say, Hey, we could do with someone like you for this. Like, how did that start? Um, first of all, my last job was, was in a startup. So working within a startup kind of really changed my mentality as to what does it mean to start a company? Before that, I never thought about starting a business. Uh, I thought I could be a freelancer, but I never thought about opening a, let's call this a product company. But while working there, I saw that it's, uh, it's doable, that you can actually do that, start creating products. And there is al always this issue of, you know, when you are freelancing, a lot of time what you do is sell your time. And there is obviously a limit to how much time you can sell. So I wanted to kind of balance that with selling products that can sell regardless if I'm working on them at a specific moment or not. So um, I knew I wanted to do that create some sort of a product company, but I didn't know exactly what, but I partnered up with, with two people that I really wanted to work with, and we kind of brainstormed for a while until we reached this space of freelancing and education and, and that sort of stuff, which we're all passionate about. So um, I didn't know that was what I'm going to do when I quit my company. I only knew that uh, I wanted to do something on my own, but I didn't know exactly what. And how much of your time did that take up or does it take up? So basically the way I do that, I'm kind of, I'm actually in a kind of a fortunate position right now where I can actually do client work for only two days of my week and that sustains my whole week and I can actually spend three days of my week working on self-initiated projects whether they make money or not. So that has been the last three years of my life. So I'm actually doing client work two days a week. Sometimes that changes. Sometimes I'm, I'm overbooking myself just because interesting things come up or the money is just too good to say no. But basically, I'm doing client work two days a week. And, and when it comes to dividing that time up, is it literally two days? As in you say, right, Monday and Thursday I'm doing this? Or? Mm, yeah, so for the, actually that's changing right now. So for the past uh, three years, I've been very, very you know, diligent about keeping the separation because I was under the impression that I need to be focused for several days in order to, I didn't want my client work to, you know, to take over my life. And I knew that if I wouldn't kind of put it in two days where I'm dedicated to working on that and telling my clients, you cannot reach me on other days, it would kind of mess up my, my time schedule. So that has been the last three years, but actually, honestly, in the last month, I'm actually changing this. I'm trying to kind of make a transition into a more, I would say, consultant or manager type of freelance rather than uh, a designer who actually executes and does the work itself. 
plus my company is at a position where we need to give customer service and stuff like that, so I can't really contain it for three days a week. I have to be available five days a week. So right now it's kind of a being messier, <laughs> but for the last three years I've been able to to continue that split. And how did you find that when, like, you know, sometimes clients will come knocking then when you've not got your client hat on, when you're, you know, doing your new school project, for example? Honestly, basically, I've been working on uh, most of my income for the past three years have been uh, maintaining retainer clients, and I've developed a very good relationship with them, and they are awesome people in general. So for the most part, they really kept to their word and didn't bother me. And when they did, I knew that it's super urgent, so I did help them, but it wasn't... They were awesome people. I was. I can't say if I was really, you know, hardcore telling them don't talk to me, or they were just super nice, <laughs> or I'm lucky. I'm, I'm. I can't tell, but it just worked. That's cool. So, how did you go about finding those clients when it came to leaving your job? So, first of all, at least for me, it was. I couldn't even imagine before I did this move that I could work, you know, only two days a week or that somebody would hire me as a retainer for only two days a week. I didn't even thought that was possible. But once I saw a friend, friend slash mentor of mine doing that, I suddenly say, oh, I want, I want to do that as well. I kind of realized that it's, uh, that it's possible. And then I kind of started pitching it. So what actually happened was this, this client that I've been working with for, for the past three years almost, they actually came to me looking for a full-time employee, just a company looking for a full-time designer. And I actually pitched them. I told them, look, I'm not going to come work full-time for you, but here's what you need based on what you told me. You need a website, you need an app, you need this and that, and those are your deadlines. And I can promise you that I can deliver high-quality work doing that two days a week. And it's going to cost you the same. So what do you care? And... I wouldn't say that it was an easy pitch. Plus, my clients, at the time, they didn't have a lot of money. So they actually, at the time, they told me, okay, we have money for only three months, so let's try it for three months. But if we don't like you after one month, we're going to drop you. And I said, fine. And it worked out. I, I always try to over-deliver and make them happy and give them good service and good execution. And as I say, we developed a really good relationship, which... I think, I think it's super important. And I did a good job. They got more money, and we've been working together for three years. Uh, and I did that exactly the same thing with another great company. So it worked already twice for me uh, in the past. And again, now I kind of changed my mindset. When I just left my full-time job, I was really concerned with security, you know, income security. So a retainer is really a great way to solve that problem because you know you're going to get the money at the end of the month. But recently what happened was that I figured out that retainer clients block block a lot of my time because I make the commitment to be available for two days a week. And I got amazing opportunities which, which are, let's say, they're based on value not based on selling my time, like X amount. And they, they, were, they 
were much more profitable and I couldn't afford taking them because I didn't have the time. I had three days working on my business, two days selling to a client. And that's actually why I make the transition right now to not doing retainers anymore because I don't want to sell blocks of my time. I think that's irrelevant how long I work. It's, and I try to price my work based on value. Um, but the downside of this is that it's much more risky because there's no guarantee that the project will come in and what's going to happen at the end of the month. So that's a trade-off that I'm doing right now. It's scary as hell. But uh, <laughs> hope, I hope it will work out for the best. I was going to say, that, I mean, you've said it's scary as hell, how you cope with that, not quite knowing, you know, the, you, you, you presumably are feeling comfortable enough that the work's going to keep coming. I'm, you know, again, I'm lucky. I'm in a position where I have already a good network and I get a lot of inbound projects, good quality projects. So, and I know that from the last, three months of, I've been mostly saying no to most projects. So I know that I'm in a position where probably it will be okay. Um, but still, I have a son. My wife is going to give birth to another son soon, like in two months. So it's still scary. I not only need to maintain my income, I actually need to raise my income. So, and there's no guarantee. So it's always scary. But um, I try to reduce that that anxiety with, you know, putting money on the side, putting, uh, you know, buffer money so that even if one month is kind of a, a weak month, it's not going to affect me. I'm not going to have to, you know, loan money or something like that. So, yeah, but it's stressful anyway, yeah, trying to deal with that just like everybody else. <laughs> and how do you go about... Um marketing yourself if you've got all of this uh, I mean I know you said you built a network but work is coming into you how, how do you put yourself out into the world uh, the truth that most people I think don't want to hear or they don't believe is that I just make friends I don't do marketing I mean and it's funny to say that because I, I used to write a blog in Hebrew here in Israel and a lot of people knew me because of that now I do YouTube videos, so a lot of people know me for that. But honestly, that's not how I get work. I get work because my friends send me work. It's either friends or past clients who become friends. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's just I'm friendly. I make a lot of friends. I make a lot of friends in the right space, you know. So I work mainly... In, with startups and there is a very big startup ecosystem here in Israel so I did you know work for good startups and then they introduced me to their either other startups or their investors and now the the investors of the startups I did good work know know me and they recommend me to other startups so it's it's kind of a you know my my I would say niche is pretty defined and, and Israel is a small, small place anyway. So if you hang out with the right people, if you hang out in the right places, you make friends. Again, I make friends because I love making friends, not because I'm like, give me work. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, love, I love eating lunch with friends, just seeing friends that I haven't seen in a while. Mostly I work from home, so I, I go out to lunch a lot. 
with a lot of people, and that's how we stay in contact. And then when they need something or they hear something, somebody who needs something, they would say, oh, you know, you should check out, you should talk to Ryan or something like that. So it's mostly just a personal network. It's not something, honestly, I don't even have a portfolio. I have something that's super crappy that I'm ashamed of that doesn't show anything of what I did. It's also a problem because most of the projects that I did recently, I can't even publish them because they are, I'm signed on you know an NDA, they're in some kind of sector that I cannot put them publicly on the internet, but it doesn't matter because what really matters to clients, and in my space, you know, they don't really know how to judge if this is good design, bad design. They're not gonna judge it by thought, oh, it's pretty, I like it. So they're gonna ask for a recommendation of somebody who they think is successful or they think has a good design. And if that person is gonna recommend me, then they'll wanna work with me. You mentioned your YouTube videos there, though. Um, yeah. Which, it's in, you don't see that as a form of marketing, but it must play a bit of a role. Even if somebody recommends you and then they check out who you are and then they, by watching the videos, they get to see a bit of a bit of who you are. But how long have you been doing that? Because you do, you do it on a daily basis, right? Yeah, I do this on a ba- daily basis for over a year now. Uh, I started last January. Um... I don't know that to be true. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking about the, I had a client meeting today with a client. I don't think she ever saw any of my videos. I don't even think that she Googled me. Um, none of my clients watch my video. That, that's the truth. Some of them know that I do this, but none of them ever watch them. It's funny because I talk about this and sometimes people tell me, don't you're afraid that your clients will watch the videos? And I'm like, no, they're not going to watch it. They don't care about this. <laughs> Plus, it's, it's funny, but, you know, the videos are in English. People who watch them are generally, you know, people not in Israel, you know. Uh, so, so my local clients either don't know about it or they don't care about it. Um, when I had a blog in Hebrew... I was kind of promoting it on my on my Facebook page. So my some of my clients saw this and they were reading my articles and uh, got to know how I how I'm thinking and then, you know, they learned to trust me more. So it's a factor of increasing the trust of the people who already know you. Um, but I actually stopped writing it the moment that I started the YouTube videos because I, I figured I realized that I enjoy it much more creating videos. Um, And now, I don't know, I got one perhaps, no, you know what, I'm working now with one client who has been recommended by a mutual friend, but he actually saw my YouTube videos and told me, "Ah, I love your YouTube videos. So there is one. I can't say that he chose me because of it. I think that he chose me because he got recommended by a good mutual friend, but perhaps it helped. Yeah, perhaps it helped selling selling high price tags because he was already, you know, convinced that I'm good. But mostly it's not a marketing channel. It's something that I do for fun. It's a different type of marketing. It's a, it's a community marketing, I would say, you know, which is also important. 
with this is it like uh, so obviously if you go to beingfreelance.com there'll be a link through so that you can check out Rand's videos which I, sh- I hugely recommend can you briefly describe the kind of stuff that you put on there but also like how do you find time to fit that into your day because producing a, a video each day is um well some would sit there going well that sounds like a lot of work he already sounds insanely <laughs> busy plus he's got a wife and kids and like uh, yeah you know yeah all right so what i share on my videos is basically what i'm going through i try to share behind the scenes of my work and my thoughts process i can't always share what i'm working on at the moment because as i told you some of my client work is confidential. I do share a lot with what I do in my own projects in the new school and working on Prosper. This I can totally share how I'm thinking about the design and how I do you know, UX research and stuff like that. So that I share process-wise and otherwise just things which are more in the I would say meta level like uh, my fears, my concerns, my struggles with clients. So whatever happens every day I try to find a story or the takeaway in that and try to make a video about it. Is this a lot of work? It takes me, I would say, around two hours a day because let's say one hour divided to you know five minutes here, five minutes there when I'm shooting, and then one hour after my son goes to sleep, I do the editing. So the cost is mainly you know brain power processing because I'm always thinking about what am I shooting today? What is the story of today? Should I shoot this? Should I not shoot this? So it's kind of a mental energy that I'm spending all day long. But uh, but it's like a sport, you know. You get into it. The first week was super super hard. Now I'm doing this for over a year, so it's I got into it, and I I just love the feeling. I love editing in general. It's like a hobby, and I love the feeling of producing something at the end of the day. So you know, not every day is a great freelance day. Sometimes. Like today, my whole day is like meetings and, you know, talking, whatever. So I don't really produce anything. And feeling that, you know, at the end of the day, I did produce something. I did create something from scratch is great. And also I love the, the fact that it's kind of documenting my life. I kind of do it more for me than to other, for other people. But I can now go back and see what was I thinking about this like five months ago? Where was I? Yeah, that's cool. Like I say, you've got to check out the the, the link at beamfreelance.com. So how do you go about managing your time? Like, Have you experimented with different ways over the last few years? Yeah. Recently, I, I kind of read the book Deep Work. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, but basically, this book kind of suggests that it's very hard to do meaningful work in small batches of time. Also, there is a great article um, about maker's time versus manager's time by Paul Graham, I think, who wrote it. Um, which actually means that, again, you need to spread the time in your day where you're making. And when you're making something, that means you need a long period of time, undistracted time to do one thing. And then managing stuff, you know, reading emails, talking to clients, and all those sort of small tasks. Um, it's actually a different part of your brain, so you should separate them. So recently, like a couple of months ago, I started to implement this by actually structuring every morning as a deep work session where it's completely uninterrupted. I'm not, 
and I also reduced my time checking emails to like three times a day. So I wake up, usually my day looks like I wake up at 6 a.m., I upload yesterday's videos and go over emails until 7 a.m. Then I go wake up my son and, and wife, I make breakfast for them and they leave around 8. Then I do, I do a little bit of meditation and then I start my day, but I don't check email again until noon. So I have my whole morning um, doing one thing, which can be either my client work or, um, or new school work, but I do undistracted work. And I also, and then the afternoon I do random managerial stuff. I also know that for me personally, after lunch, I can't, I can't be like creative, productive anymore. I won't be able to solve hard problems. There's just like perhaps three hours that I can focus on solving difficult stuff and then I just can't. So before I implemented that, I would just use to feel bad about myself. I don't, I'm not productive, I'm not doing, now I just don't feel bad at all. I'm like, okay, uh, I finished my work, I can read a book if I don't have a meeting, if I don't have whatever, uh, you know, small tasks that I need to do. So I can just chill and feel good about it because I know that what I really need to accomplish, I accomplish it in the morning. That's great. And where do you work? Yeah, so most of my work I'm doing, I have an home office, which I work from home. Um, right now, actually, my, my client actually right now gave me an office, so I can, if I want. I'm living a little bit outside of the city center, and sometimes I have to go back and forth from city center for meetings and stuff like that, so I'm on the bicycle a lot. So perhaps... Sometimes I will do work from the office that my client gave me. Plus, as I mentioned, my wife is about to give birth soon. And as I've, I've been working from home last time that she was on a maternity leave, and I know that it's pretty hard to stay productive when you got a wife and a newborn at home. So I'm still thinking about what to do. Uh, last time I was at home, but I wasn't very productive. This time I do want to help her but I need to maintain the possibility of staying productive. So perhaps I'll take an office or something, but basically I work from home. Yeah, yeah. How old's your, how old's your eldest child? He's two, two, two years and three months. Or like wow. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great uh, age. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. So what have you got for me? Right, so the first one is, when I was just starting out, I dyed my hair blue, but nobody would work with me. I couldn't find a single job until I dyed my hair normal again. <laughs> Second one is, this one time, my client saw me naked because <laughs> he just played around with my, uh, with my vlogging camera and there were you know, photos there that he shouldn't see, and that was pretty <laughs> awkward. And the third one is that I was part of the team that designed the logo of my country, Israel, but I really hate the result. Designed a logo for Israel? Yes. Oh, man. These are great facts. <laughs> So you dyed your hair blue, but nobody would work with you. Your clients saw you naked when they were looking at pictures on your camera that they shouldn't have been. Uh, 
and you designed the logo for Israel. <laughs> I don't. Okay, I don't. I don't think your client saw you naked. It's true, but I mean, it's true. It's not. It's just not my client. It was the mother of my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so, so that was the lie. But it yeah, it was of, a lie. But it's based on the true story. <laughs> the mother of your ex-girlfriend was she your ex-girlfriend at the time? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, good. Okay. Um, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Raise your price. How did you know when to raise your price? I never know. It's it's just incredible how it is just a battle with yourself it's not even a battle with your client it's just something that's holding you back just saying no i can't ask for that that's ridiculous they will never buy uh, go for that and it's just you telling yourself this lie which is ridiculous because they would pay for it they they actually would think better of you if you ask for it um <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's the story of everybody. Actually, my wife helped me a lot in this case because I always had a problem asking for a raise and stuff like that because I was like, I'm honest. This is what I think I should deserve. And she told me, no, you should ask for higher because they're going to negotiate and pay less than you're asking for. And I was like, no, I'm not going to negotiate. This is what I want. If they're not willing to pay for it, we're not going to work together. But she said, no, but people want to negotiate. People want discounts. So why don't you just ask for more money? And then you'll be able to negotiate. And in the end, everybody will be happy. <laughs> and it, she was right. Later on in life, I got a, you know, actually my client gave me a book called The, the Secrets of Power Negotiation. First rule there is ask for more than you think you deserve for exactly the, the same reason. Because people want to negotiate and feel like they want the negotiation. So why don't you give them a, a possibility to win? Okay, you win. I'll take less than that. But you're you're also happy, you know. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you do a lot of reading. I do. I do. I love reading. And, and now that I've discovered, you know, audiobooks, and I'm on my bicycle a lot, so I read a lot on, I'm actually listening to a lot of books, but also reading a lot, yeah. Are you like a, a note taker? No. I'm actually not a note taker, but perhaps I should be. Like recently I heard this about this guy who is like putting notes online on every book that he read so he won't forget. I think that's a great idea. Perhaps I should start doing this, but up until right now, no, I didn't do that. Sometimes I would make like a, a, a video or a blog post kind of summing up my takeaways from, from uh, a book, but that's rather rare because I, I read like sometimes one book a week so and i don't do that that often yeah. ran it's been so good talking to you thanks for your time you can find out sure. everything that ran is up to uh, both as a you know freelancer but also new school which looks really cool and the vlog as well i hugely recommend uh, obviously i've been doing a weekly vlog and that feels like <laughs> that feels like enough work but like a daily vlog it's uh, but it's really cool stuff so do take a look beingfreelance.com and click through to those links as well but ran thank you so much and all the best being freelance yeah thanks david it was great fun 